I am Plant on the Line in Vancouver, British Columbia at thecommentary.ca. Hal Kelman joins me again. The fifth edition of Exploring Vancouver has just been published, and uh, Hal and Robin Ward have written a marvelous guidebook of walking tours that showcase the notable architecture in Vancouver and the surrounding area. For they venture to the new buildings uh, at the University of British Columbia, as well as uh, buildings erected because of the 2010 Olympics in Richmond and elsewhere. Their uh, tours take us to Surrey, too. I'll ask Hal about this new edition, as well as the previous four, the first of which was published nearly 50 years ago from Hal's Perch in Victoria, where he lives now and where he joined me from one week ago. I'll ask him about uh, how he's viewed the city over the decades and in recent visits. I'll ask if he can uh, look to the future as well with the developments at Oak Ridge and the proposed projects at the south end of the Burrard Bridge and the Jericho Lands. Harold Kelman is... uh, a specialist in architectural history and heritage conservation. He is the author or co-author of many standard texts on architecture and conversation, including Exploring Ottawa, An Architectural Guide to the Nation's Capital, A History of Canadian Architecture, and Heritage Planning, Principles, and Process. He is a member of the Order of Canada. Visit haroldkelman.ca. Uh, Exploring Vancouver, 10 Tours of the City and Its Buildings is published by Harbour. Please uh, welcome back to the Plant Online program, Hal Kelman. Mr. Kelman, good morning. Good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. Um, Could you have imagined when uh, the first Exploring Vancouver first came out that you'd have five editions and, say, 50 years later? Um, Not only could I not imagine it, I wouldn't have believed I would either want to or be capable of it. Mm -hmm. Um, No, it, it was done in... As far as John and uh, John Rove, my colleague, and I were concerned, it was finished. Um, but the, I guess other people had other ideas. The, the second edition came out um, just a couple of years after, is that right? Yeah, four years later. Yeah, I guess it, it, was there a great demand for it? Well, it's basically an update. That we happened to, we were kind of lucky, uh, maybe lucky or smart, I don't know, when, when, and when we chose to write the book. In 1974, when the first one came out, Vancouver hadn't changed very much yet. It had a big development boom in the 19, late 1920s and early 30s. It had a big boom in the uh, 1950s. But it was still, the old city was still very much there and very much visible. And nobody but nobody thought Vancouver was going to do what it did over the next 50 years, 50 years which, you know, the increase in population and just mm-hmm. the absolute and utter change. And so... We were pressured, I don't know whether it was internal or external, but 1978, just to simply to update things. Uh, so much, and a lot of things had been torn down. We had a section called In Memoriam, yeah. which we you know, thought was kind of cute. Um, but if we had an In Memoriam section in the, in the fifth edition, it would be larger than the book. I would think, yeah. yeah. Um, and we thought it was a fait accompli, but as I said, it, it somehow got, took a life of its own. And then we last spoke 11 years ago when the fourth edition came out. Mm-hmm. And, and I was thinking about the change in those 11 years, say. Mm-hmm. Um, Vancouver's changed a great deal and so fast, too. Yeah, it's, it's kind of frightening uh, to see the speed with which it's changed and how much it's a different city. Some of us old-timers used to say, oh, it's not Vancouver anymore. No, but it is. It is Vancouver, but it's an entirely different city from what it used to be. And, and looking back at, at 50 years, I mean, affordability, that, that's always been a concern, hasn't it? Um, yeah, but not for architectural historians. <laughs> and, and so, um, so that brings up a good 
a good point then, because they're talking a lot now about Shaughnessy and mm -hmm. about uh, whether that neighborhood should be densified. And then there are lots of calls for, um, you know, pr protecting its heritage and, and the character of the neighborhood. As an architectural historian, um, I hate to put you in, uh, you know, on a, which side yeah. of the fence you sit on, but I mean, you must take a, a side on this. On this well, I take point. a side, but it's not—it's not the either-or that people are presenting right now. Mm. My side is that a city is diverse, and it's diverse in all kinds of ways. The modern usage of diverse happens to, you know, deals with people and their backgrounds. The old use of diverse is what it looks like and sort of including putting them all together. A good city is diverse, and therefore it has different neighborhoods, and the different neighborhoods should have their character. And back in the 70s when we started this book, there were 10 neighborhoods, and each of them, well, except for the catch-all at the end, which is the stuff that wasn't caught in the, mm -hmm. in, the, in the main neighborhoods, they all were defined. We had an introduction, and we said, this is what they are, this is what they look like, this is when they developed, this is what their character is. But as time went on, you couldn't do that so well anymore. And then neighborhoods sort of became defined by imaginary boundaries rather than by, by built environmental boundaries, which is what they had been before. And now when you have a you know, developer who works around the city who plops his townhouses wherever he can find vacant land, he or she or they, um, regardless kind of what it is, and when zoning doesn't mean very much anymore, and uh, I know I live in Victoria right now, and Victoria is just eliminating neighborhood zoning entirely. Mm -hmm. um, we're just going to have one great homogenous city. And, you know, the, in the old days, they used to say, look around now while everything is, still looks different. And it did, and now, it, now it's very quickly not looking different. And I, I think that's really everybody's loss. Mm -hmm. not, not speaking as an architectural historian, but sort of as somebody who believes in the sociology of, of of urban living, I think it's a terrible loss. The thing that, so I live around Fraser and King Edward, and I'll talk about that in a sec because I brought this up with Robin a few days ago. Mm -hmm. um, th th there's a lot that we save, say, from the early part of the 20th century, and, and so, so we should. Even in, in my neighborhood, you know, there are houses from, from the early part of the 20th century that one would never think of knocking down today. But there's a lot of stuff from mid to late 20th century that gets knocked down, whether it's in Shaughnessy or Carisdale other parts of the city, they get knocked down for, for new houses, bigger houses. Um, do, do you think more should be done to save those uh, buildings? Well, it's, to some extent, yes. To some extent, I think they have to have a life of their own and go where, go where they go. Uh, if one can't be a diehard preservationist all the way through. I may have started that, and I may be in some aspects of my current professional life a preservationist, but this book isn't about preservation. If that was a sub-theme in earlier in earlier uh, editions, and I guess it's something now, but it's really about what the city looks like and what the urban form is. So, you know, to take your area, it was all small, single-family houses, working, so-called working class, uh, with a so-called, uh, some of it, I'm trying to remember, CPR background, and it's just not that anymore because it's, it's become a place that people of various incomes might live and you know the area better than I can, so you can speak to it better than I can. Um, by the way, Joe, I should sort of say for your readers' sake, I have to give full disclosure. I decamped from Vancouver about 10 years ago, and I live in Victoria now. Yeah. And Robin decamped, as you know, also, and he lives in Scotland. So um, we have our little 
feelings about people who used to know Vancouver really well and don't know it so well anymore, which means we're very, very open to corrections. We uh, did our best, and we've had, yeah. we sort of, we went on every tour as we wrote it, um, but there's some things, and we both read a lot about Vancouver and subscribe to Vancouver journalism, but whatever, and end of, end of, the, of full disclosure. Yeah, but it, it, it's a, a marvelous, uh, you've started these marvelous discussions amongst readers in terms of what we consider uh, Vancouver, what, what we consider Vancouver as or, or what it should be. Um, in terms of, um, by the way, I mentioned I was going to bring up my neighborhood. In, in all five editions, there's scarcely anything in, in the books um, from the area where I live. In, in this new edition, you do write about Mountain View Cemetery, which is pretty close to where I live. Um, is it because this neighborhood is just not interesting, Sam? It's because it was considered not interesting, mm. which is a different, state, different kind of statement. Interesting to us in the early days when we did the book was something somehow outstanding. And then in the architectural history business, which I do when I wear my academic cap, somebody came up with the word, these were the idea these things are significant, and these things, to use the word they, they use, is representative. And we had kind of overlooked the representative stuff because it doesn't ring any bells and it doesn't make any headlines and it doesn't get written about it in architectural journals. And I think we had a little bit too much of the eye of the elitist architect. And I think we're both becoming more democratic, although I'm not sure I'm a fan of the world being a terribly democratic and totally democratic place, but that's a subject for another conversation. <laughs> um, the, the, uh, in the book, you do write about Jameson House on West Hastings, um, the, the old post office on Georgia, where the, the facade of the, the old building is retained and then something new comes up altogether above it. Yep. Um, do you find that a good use, say, of, of the land as well as uh, preservation? I used to hate, we call it facadism. I used to hate facadism. Um, I kind of believed in, I guess in a purist sort of way, conserve, preserve, whatever word you use, most of it, or just give it up. Yeah. But I think I'm becoming more of a pragmatist, and I realize that for a lot of reasons beyond whether they have any architectural significance, there are reasons that things have to change. Um, you know, we, we didn't think about land use zoning and property values in the first two editions. Uh, they weren't very important. Now they're what it's all about. Yeah. And, and it, it changes the paradigm entirely. And being from the old school, I'm not sure that I really totally comprehend the new paradigm. What, what do you make of the, the, uh, the new developments of Seneca at uh, the south end of the Burrard Bridge and the, in the Jericho Lands? Um, these are, are, are developments that are being run by First Nations communities. The First Nations part I applaud. Yeah. The, de the density I abhor. Mm -hmm. I, I, just, I, mean, I, I just find it, and they're allegedly done by First Nations, but they all have white-skinned developers. And so they are not really one culture's buildings. Um, in each case, they, they, the owners have latched onto a developer who builds buildings better. And so they become a bit of a hybrid, but I think the, the, the thing that really distresses me is the density. The, then that Vancouver is going, well, for years, I mean, when I was a kid here, or I wasn't a kid, but I was first in Vancouver, um, we talked about Manhattanization, which mm -hmm. was an awful word. 
And I remember we used it first in the area around Robson Street and things like that, yeah. which were just then starting to change from from teeny tiny um, German bakeries to high rises. And we said we don't want Vancouver to Manhattan. I said, well, it did. I mean, Vancouver is now a great. It, it was a regional city, and that's now an, an international city. And there's a price to pay for becoming international. And that price come, you know, buys good things, and it buys things that not everybody agrees is good. And maybe I'm waxing a little bit too philosophical, but you have to look at change in that way. And change is inevitable. Uh, without change, we would we would freeze into into zombies or whatever. Um, and we need it, but we have to manage the change well. And to me, what preservation used to mean, keep things, to me, preservation now means manage change properly, mm-hmm. responsibly. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about Oak Ridge a moment ago, because that, that's another, where, where towers are being put up there as we yeah. speak. Um, and then I realized that Oak Ridge has been remade over the, the last 60 years. Yeah. A couple times over. A couple, couple times, yeah. yeah. So what do you make of, of um, density in that part of the city? Well, I, actually, I have to be honest, I haven't been to Oak Ridge since it's been redeveloped. As I say, I live in Victoria, uh-huh. and it's a part of town that I avoided the last few times I visited Vancouver. So, But I still know what's going on. I, I mean, I can't, I can't evade your question there quite that easily. Uh-huh. What do I think is going yeah. on? There? I think somebody has decided, has drawn, put a pin into a map, and said this is going to be a very dense place. It has the traffic infrastructure. It has the geographic infrastructure. It's located in the right place for a very dense, dense part of the city, because it's very much more accessible than the West End or, or anything downtown. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was basically a, a political and planning decision to do it. And I think, given that decision, they're probably doing it responsibly. Yeah, the, the, the infrastructures are certainly for, yeah, for transit. Yeah. So they got they've got the transit, they've yeah. got the retail, they've got the um, commercial, they've got the residential. And I think it's being done well, and I suspect that the judges of the future will say that's a pretty pretty darn good neighborhood. Yeah. This but would, I wouldn't want but I wouldn't want to live there. Sure. <laughs> Neither would I. No, uh, it's a good place to visit, but uh, for maybe an hour or so, and then, then I, I want to go home. Um, yeah. The um, this edition takes us to Surrey and Richmond places outside of Vancouver itself. Um, I, I couldn't help but realize as I was reading the book, there's so much that I need to see. Uh, there's a lot going on in these other parts of Metro Vancouver that, that everyone should see, right? right? Yeah. And we really paid lip service to, to those places. I'm looking at the table of contents right now. And tours A to I, and you can do your alphabetical orders, one, two, three, four, five, six, Nine, that's mm-hmm. what I thought. Nine tours are within what used to be thought of as the downtown area or the the inner city. Yeah, and everything else gets thrown into our tour ten, and that's not fair. It's just just not fair to those places. I mean, that was done by in conversation by the authors and the publisher, and select reader critics and so on. It was decided to do it that way, but I think we really gave all those municipalities the short end of the stick. Yeah, so I think I think someday, and it's not going to be Robin and me, or it's certainly not going to be me. Somebody should write, and it shouldn't be called exploring Vancouver. It should be called exploring the Lower Mainland or exploring something like that. Yeah. And I would say that the second volume is what is not in the first nine chapters of this volume, mm-hmm. because they're, they're they're interesting. I mean, whether it's downtown U.S. Minster or what's happening in Burnaby or what's happening 
just a lot of places across, across the river in Richmond. I mean, there's amazingly good and interesting stuff going up there, and this book only pays a teeny, teeny lip service. Yeah, I mean, so, there's stuff from the you know that was built during the Olympics of 2010. Yeah. Um, incredible stuff. UBC, for example, so much has been built there in the last 25, 20, 20 25 years. Yeah. It's remarkable to think what the next 10 years even will look like. Right. But then there are also other stories, sort of the infrastructure stories, like Richmond was a bog. Mm. Richmond is mainly, is largely landfill. And how did, I think for the most part, very wise land developers make a city out of a bog? And then that raises the question, because we all worry about earthquakes, what's going to happen when the big one hits? Mm. I mean, some say that the, the the earth under it will liquefy, and some say, well, that's nonsense. And we, we are not going to know unless it happens. Mm. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, there are all these questions that are there. And the whole, I mean, the development industry does this all over. There, there are places around the world that are in the path of land, landslides and floods and all the rest of that. Uh, because there's this desperate search for land, the I think the ultimate um, the ultimate problem is there are too many people on this globe, and they're reproducing far too quickly, and we can't find proper places to to place them all. Yeah. Uh, let's go back to Vancouver, downtown Vancouver, for just a sec. Um, what do you make of Vancouver House? I don't really know it. I'm, I'm going to pass the question because it's. Sort of since my time, and I know it from the outside, but I really don't know what it's a building. So, so when you consider buildings for this book, um, the yeah. outside is obviously a consideration. Did you go, get to go inside? And, and well, in the earlier editions, we did, yeah. Mm -hmm. And we walked through most of the Gastown hotels and got some sense of them. But we thought of them as places, places to live, places to visit, places to be, places to work, and not just as facades on a street. I guess that's what we need, we need to think about when we do the walking tours in this book. That, that but you're not allowed in. That's the problem. Yeah. And and we say that. We actually, I don't know whether the fifth edition put it in, but the fourth edition said loud and clear, um, these places are private. Only go in if they're public or if you're invited. Yeah, indeed. indeed. Um, I, I, when I talked to Robin a, a few days ago, we talked about the, 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 the process in terms of, of what you chose in, in what's in the book. So if, if you proposed one and he didn't like it or vice versa, would that be the end of the discussion and that building no, wouldn't no, be No, no, no. No, Robin and I developed a really, really good give and take. And it went into the maybe tape, into the maybe pile. Mm -hmm. I mean, there were some that were absolutely in and some that were absolutely out. And then with the maybes, we, have, we, we had a process. It wasn't a formal doctrinaire process, but we had a process for winnowing at all and deciding what was going to go in. Some of it simply had to do with the publisher saying you can't have more than this many entries or this many pages. And then it, it was very interesting because Robin was the designer of the, the current edition, but not of the early editions. And all of a sudden when your designer, who worries about word counts and pages, becomes your author, who wants them all to be more and more, there's an interesting conflict on him. I mean, my, my job is just write and write and write and let the editor and the and the the bookmaker decide what to keep and what not to keep. Sure, it's that's easy. Yeah. Um, the, yeah. The photographs are great, but I have to say, I I, I love the old in the first two editions when they were in black and white. There's something well, about that. John <laughs> John, John Rove is a professional photographer. 
Robin is a very good photographer. He's a very good artist, and he has a very, very good artist's eye. But John used a large format camera, and he manipulated the picture in a way that only a professional photographer can do. I mean, that was John's job. John was a photographer. Robin is a man of many talents, um, and photography is one of them. And I'm not in any way downplaying it. He did a hell of a good job, if I may say that word yeah. on air. Yeah. Um, but it's still not his not his primary occupation, or it's one of his primary occupations, I guess. Yeah. And then he also uses a small format camera, a smaller. And you can't you can't capture downtown buildings with a small camera. I mean, John used eight occasionally eight by ten, but he used four by five most of the time. And that that really gives you a lot of license, among other things, to not get perspective distortion. What? Um, uh, how often do you get back to Vancouver? Not very often at all right now. I, I kind of like Victoria, mm -hmm. and I kind of feel that I enjoyed my time in the big city, and now I'm enjoying my time in the small city. May I ask what neighborhood you lived in, in Vancouver? In Vancouver, yeah. in Carisdale uh, in and in Kitsilano. And because uh, I, uh, when I ask people who have left Vancouver, I always ask them where they live because I, I'm interested to know what neighborhoods yeah. they lived in. And um, almost um, everybody I talk to say that whatever neighborhood they lived in was the best. I'm not sure that I, I, well, I shouldn't say this if I'm the author of a book on Vancouver, but I found Vancouver becoming not a nice place to live mm. for me. And I think it had to do with my age and my values and the memories I had of the place. So it was a very personal, and my wife as well. I mean, the two, the two of us very easily made a joint decision. We had other reasons that had nothing to do with Vancouver. Yeah. Um, but we had every reason in the books to, to move to, to Victoria, and we're very glad we did. And oh, we miss the Dickens out of Vancouver. I mean, being able to shop at all those places and get those things. Victoria just has a tiny selection of the stuff Vancouver has. And so you learn to live, live differently. When you do get back, though, is there a place that you have to see? No, not, not, not as such. No. Not even my old house. Yeah, yeah. And, but let's say you had to come back this weekend. Yeah. Um, would there be a place that you wanted to see, like to see some of these new buildings? Like I would, no, I would be drawn by food. Mm. I would be drawn by, by restaurants more than anything else. That's a, that's, a, that's a good of a reason to come to any city, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Vancouver has done wonderfully in that regard, yeah. and we we miss that selection. Victoria is not a bad place to live either, is it? Oh, it's a wonderful place yeah. to live, and the the quality of life here, measured in most metrics, is far far superior. And my wife and I are very lucky to be living in a place that's very special, um, right on the water, yeah. and you just can't beat it. Yeah. Um, when you look back, because I know that you have all five editions in front of you there of Exploring Vancouver. Yeah. Yep. Um, you were working with a deadline in terms of getting the book together, but do you think, did you have this in front of mind or back of mind even, that you were creating something for posterity, that you were capturing history as it were? Yeah, very much so. And, well, by the time the third edition came, we realized we were. And with the fifth edition, so much so. And so each one is a slice, a slice of time, and they're roughly a decade apart. I wrote down the dates just before you phoned, mm -hmm. 
1974, 1978. But see, that is really only an update of 74. It's not a new book. And 1993 is 15 years. 2012 is 19 years. 2023 is 11 years. And so it's, it's sort of one to two decades apart. Mm-hmm. And, and enormous changes happen in each case. Can you imagine, though, how what, what the, you know, the, if there is a sixth edition, what, what Vancouver will look like? No, no, and I won't write it either. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I can't. I don't really want to. Because we, to some extent, and as you get older, more so, you live, you live in, partly with your past memories. I don't live in Vancouver anymore, so it's only past memories. When I come, it's for short visits, and it's for a specific reason. It's not, not to be a tourist. Mm-hmm. So, but I'm, I'm exceptional. I'm, but, of course, Robin's the same way, too, because he decamped as well. Mm-hmm. So and maybe it says something. You get to know Vancouver too well, you have to leave it. I don't know. <laughs> Someone who's lived here in all of his 41 years, I don't know, um, I don't know if I, I'd want to leave it at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is such a fun book as well. I, I remember when I first saw the, the, the first two editions in elementary school, um, just enjoying spending so much time with them. I think I've told you this before. Um, what are the discussions or the, the uh, uh, comments that you've been getting from readers, especially with this fifth edition? Um, have, have they have they been telling you what you're missing, say? With a few of those, there's been relatively little feedback. Maybe the publisher got more than we did. I don't know. But, yes, I've gotten letters, but relatively few. I think they probably look at the fact that two authors and a publisher, and they they get scared of writing anybody. <laughs> but that's... Um, yeah, everybody has a suggestion. You you forgot Aunt Sally's house. Mm. I'm I'm sorry, Aunt Sally, but we did our best. But we take down every time somebody suggested something in the past, we wrote it down, and it be, we definitely looked at it before we did the next edition. And sometimes we heeded their advice. Sometimes we didn't. Um, there have been a lot of readers have had absolute just factual corrections, which are fabulous. Mm. You know, my house wasn't built in 1914; it was built in 1916, and I have the papers to prove it. Yeah. Good. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> and it's very hard because I'm the other writer in me is an academic writer. And academic writers you use footnotes. Mm. And back in nineteen seventy four and the years before that's a challenge and I was at part of a of a university faculty then I was on UBC faculty. And so everything sort of, I did aside from that was academic. And the idea of writing a book without footnotes frightened me. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, but we 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 managed it, and then having Robin as a colleague sort of makes things easier because Robin is not an academic, and he's a, he's a his background is journalism. He wrote fabulous stuff for the Vancouver Sun in years gone by, and if I, we thought there was a really good balance of the journalist and the historian. Yeah. Well, I hate to think there won't be a sixth edition of this book. There, well, you never know. Robin is keener than I am, and there very well could be, and it would come with my blessing, and if they wanted me to read and comment, I would, but there's no way I'd slog through the streets again looking at buildings. I just hope there's something from, from my neighborhood this time. <laughs> well, I'm sorry about your neighborhood. I mean, we maybe we should do a fifth and a half edition and add, add half a tour or something like that, but I think that's the whole point. The King Edward really wasn't very interesting, yeah. and, and the whole the whole East End was, the East Side wasn't very interesting. It yeah. just wasn't, wasn't 
considered the all the voices on Vancouver were West Side voices, and the East Side didn't have a voice. It didn't have the local newspapers that counted. Commercial Drive was a nice little place where the Italians served you espresso, um, but there was just little things like that. And again, I'm here. I'm using a food analogy, which I also it it just was considered not very interesting. My my wife used to be a librarian, and she worked in several. She was a librarian at several East Side Vancouver yeah. Public Libraries, and so she knew the East Side really well. And, and um, you know, told me that maybe we should look a little harder at, at those neighborhoods. Mm. But she was in the Fraserview Library in once. I mean, how many people from the West Side have ever been to Fraserview? Yeah, well, speaking from someone who lives at Fraser and King Edward, yeah. Fraser, Fraserview and Champlain Heights seem, seem very boring. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, those, those are they're my biases now. Uh, Hal, it's been uh, such a pleasure talking to you. You know how much I've admired your work over the years, and and um, I can't tell you how happy I was when I saw your name on my calendar because uh, I enjoyed talking to you 11 years ago and, and have enjoyed talking to you today. All the best with everything. Thank you, Joe, and thank you for thanking you for, for bringing back these memories and for asking questions that require answers. The website for more is at heraldkalman.ca. The book is called Exploring Vancouver, Ten Tours of the City and Its Buildings. It's uh, from Harbor Publishing. One of its authors, Harold Kalman, joined me on the line from Victoria. In Vancouver, I'm Joseph Plaza.